Genesis chapter 2. One of the things that I prayed for before we came, I know you feel like I keep saying this probably, I prayed for this, and it's all kinds of different things, but it's true. And one of the things that I, I prayed for, uh, as the Lord made it clear that He was going to move us in the ministry, for quite some time I was praying that the Lord would lead us to a place with good families and a place where we could we could try to help families. Now, I don't know that I can help families necessarily. I, I, once, once we got here and we saw that this was where the Lord would have us, I, one of the things that I noticed the most about Calvary Baptist Church is the strength of our families here. Uh, churches across the nation are struggling to keep families together, and that doesn't mean that our families don't struggle sometimes, but I'm thankful for the strength of the families that we have here. And our families have been on my heart and on my mind. And I believe this is what the Lord would have me to do. I don't know if I'll start a series on this subject or not, but I think every now and then I may teach and preach a little bit on the family. I don't know if it'll be on Sunday nights, Wednesday nights, Sunday mornings. I don't know. don't really have any clear direction on that. But I thought, you know what? If we're going to, to speak and, and, and learn from the Bible on the family, uh, what better thing to do than to go back to the beginning so I don't mean to repeat things that have already been heard, but just to maybe shore up some of the foundations that are already there uh, or to help maybe put in some foundations that aren't there. And so Genesis chapter number 2 in your Bibles, if you would please. I thought that was a kid in the room. I didn't realize it was a ringer. <laughs> what was that thing saying, Miss Lavina? Where is she? She's hiding now. I can't even see her. <laughs> Brother Donald, I thought that was a kid in the, in the room there. Granddaughter. Oh, well, that's, that's cute. Now, hey, it's okay. It's okay. We have not established this rule here. My dad's rule at his church for years was if your phone goes off in the middle of church, you owe him a pizza. He quit that, though, when his phone off went in church. And somebody said, now you owe us all a pizza. <laughs> it happens, it happens. I was sitting in a church service once where, uh, well, Brother Jay Reed, he's been here once or twice. He was preaching, uh, and his, his phone went off right when he was getting ready to preach, and he answered it, and it was his wife. She didn't know where he was. You know, he was traveling and preaching and, and, and uh, you know, different time zones. And he just answered it right there on the platform. He said, honey, I'm, I'm preaching right now. And just right in the middle of the service, you know, and then hung it up and went on with what he was doing. So it happens to all of us. Genesis chapter number 2 and verse number 15. And let's all stand to our feet in honor of the word of God, if we could please, this evening. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. Of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him an help meet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle, and to the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found 
and this is the second time we hear this, and help me for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib, which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman, and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would please speak to hearts this evening. Help us with our families. I pray that through your word that we would see in the simplicity of these scriptures the depth of how we can be helped. I pray that you'd please fill me with your Holy Spirit, guide and direct my thoughts and my speech. And Lord, please pour your, your spirit out upon your people. Help us in every way that we need. We pray this as we ask it in Jesus' name. And amen. You can be seated. The family is under more attack today than it ever has been before. The family foundations have begun to crumble, and America is at the forefront of broken homes. Not too many years ago, it was said by multiple studies that as many as half of all marriages would end in divorce. One of the more shocking statistics to come out of some of those studies was that in the Christian realm, the difference was not all that great. Somewhere around, if I remember correctly, 40% of Christian marriages would end in divorce. The attack on the home is coming from so many different angles today that it's hard to keep track of all of them. The reality is, a preacher cannot possibly cover from the pulpit every single attack that a couple faces and that a family faces. But, by having certain foundations secured in our lives, we can be prepared for and withstand all of the wiles of the devil. We don't necessarily have to address every single attack. We just have to make sure that we have in place every proper foundation. And by having the building built properly, it can withstand any storm. So the attacks may be new and they may be various. But the foundations for the home, if they are secure the way the Bible says to secure them, will withstand the attacks that have been taking place since the Garden of Eden until the day that the Lord returns. There may be different approaches to attacking the marriage relationship and the family, but there are no different defenses. I want to say this again. There may be different approaches to attacking the home and the family, but there are no different defenses. The Lord has given us a clear formula through His Word. And matter of fact, it's a rather simple formula if you really want to boil it down into some simple passages. But through the book of Genesis, I did a study on the book of Genesis years ago, and as we were going through that book, I realized not only how much it is the beginning of the foundation of our creation and of our, our own personal lives with the Lord, but how much is discussed in the book of Genesis concerning the foundation of our homes. And I saw the families in the book of Genesis, the challenges that they faced, how it related to the things that we face today, and I realized 
that if we wanted to have strong families, we needed to understand the families of Genesis. Now, not just the families of Genesis, the families all throughout the Word of God. And there are different lessons that can be learned through all of them. But I want us to look at it again in Genesis chapter number 2 and verse number 15. We're going to go back to the beginning and we're going to begin again to understand some things from the Scripture to make sure that no matter how various and new the attacks may be and how imaginative Satan may make them, we still have the right foundations to withstand them. Now, for some of you that are not married, you might feel like turning a deaf ear to this. And I've been in your place. I know what it's like to sit in a church service about the family and marriage and not be married and think, you know, I don't know how this applies to me. And a lot of it flies on deaf ears. I understand that. Uh, and I will never forget when I first got married how, how the preacher was focusing on the marriage and the home in the Sunday school hour. And he was spending every Sunday school hour for months focusing on the family and the home. My wife and I still have the booklet from that. And when I got married, those, those first couple of months of marriage, we learned so much from those teachings in, uh, in, in uh, Sunday school, and I still lean on so much of what I learned. And so I know that when you get married, it means something different from you or for you. So some of you may be sitting here thinking, well, you know, this isn't really for me, and maybe not in the timing right at this moment. But if you'll take some of these things <coughs> and remember them <coughs> for the future, it'll be something that will help you in the future and maybe even now. So I want us to look at it again in verse number 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to what? Now, first and foremost, we need to remember, and I'm not here to offend anybody. I'm just giving you the biblical foundation of these truths. We need to remember that when God created the earth, He created the man first, and His intention was for the man to subdue the earth and to oversee His creation and to be the head of His creation and so God made Adam first. Now the Bible says that Adam was not deceived as we get into Genesis chapter 3, but Eve was. And so Adam took of the fruit and he also sinned. And Eve, of course, took of the fruit and she sinned. But there was a distinction made by God in these early times. And we need to understand that it is necessary for us to lay the foundation again that the man was originally intended to be the head of the home and to be the provider of the home, and to be the overseer of the home. God intended for it to be that way. And listen to me, the way that the devil is attacking our homes today to say that the woman should be in the workforce and the man should be stay at home, I, I, I cringe when I hear these men say, I'm a stay-at-home dad. That is, now listen, I'm not saying if you are that, that you're necessarily in sin. And I'm also, listen now, some families are required to have two incomes because of the society and culture that we live in just to make ends meet. I'm not preaching against women being in the workforce, but what I am saying is that it was never intended for the man to be relegated to the submissive role in the home. Now you young men, listen to me. Your job is not to stay home and change diapers. And it doesn't matter what the world says, that's not your role, that's not what God created you to do. Men, you are not created with the patience to do that. You're not made to do it. I'm not saying your kids ought to drive you nuts and you ought to use that as an excuse. But what I'm saying is God didn't make you to be the caretaker of the home and of the children. Your role is to get out there and work. And be the one that provides and oversees and takes care of the things. Now, now, now listen, 
I know this is so basic, but these foundations are being eroded by the world. And it's important for our guys to understand that your job is to be the one that oversees what God has created and to go out there and work for it. Now, we understand that by the curse, work became much harder and man by the sweat of his brow would do the things that he was supposed to do. But God had already given him work to do before the curse. He brings these animals to him and says, name them and subdue them and have dominion over them. Look, 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 at, look at Genesis chapter number 1, would you please? And look at verse number 29. And God said, Behold... I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. And to every beast of the earth and every fowl of the air and to everything that creepeth upon the earth wherein there is life I have given every green herb for meat and it was so. And God saw everything that He had made and behold it was very good. He said, look, all of these herbs and things in the earth and all of these different animals, this is for you to subdue and have dominion. I missed it. There it is in verse number 28. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And boy, does that ever fly in the face of all of those that say you're not supposed to hunt and fish and kill, and we're all supposed to be a bunch of, 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 of uh, vegans because it's animal cruelty. Well, look, the Bible does say in the passages that we just read that it was supposed to be the herbs and the trees and things that were supposed to be the meat of man. But after the fall of man, God gave Adam permission to kill and eat. And I am thankful for that. Now, God gave man and woman dominion over this earth and said, I want you to subdue it. It's good to plant gardens, it's good to work with your hands, it's good to get outside and subdue the earth, but when the curse came in, everything got much harder. But what I'm saying is that there was work long before there was ever a curse. Work is not necessarily a part of the curse. What is a curse is that now you have to toil to make things happen. Now by the sweat of your brow, you have to work hard to make income and to provide for your family, and it wasn't always that way. The earth brought forth on its own, and now you have to work to make it bring forth. Now, the Bible says that God created the man first, and by doing so, made him to have dominion over these things. Look at verse number 16. The Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Now, who did he tell that to? He told that to Adam. Now, Adam clearly communicated this to Eve because she knew it. And some people like to get after Eve, you know, and say, well, you know, Eve twisted his words. She didn't say it exactly the way that he said it. You know what? I don't know. I don't know how things got communicated. The Bible doesn't exactly clarify all of that. But he certainly did clarify to her what the Lord had said. There needs to be good communication in the home. And I cannot stress that enough. Adam clearly communicated to his wife what was supposed to be done. She just didn't listen. Can I get an amen? Anyway. <laughs> I'm just having fun, all right? I'm just having fun. Look at verse number 18, and this is where I want to spend most of my time this evening. The Bible says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. 
I will make him and help me for him. Men, understand something. The way God designed you and the way God created you, there is a hole. That unless God ordained you to be able to live without as... Um, why can't I think of the word? The word that is in my mind is the exact opposite of what I'm trying to say. But Paul was one of those that did not find it necessary to marry. And there are some that God has made, has been, has made, uh, has made into that uh, way without needing or having the desire. What's the word I'm looking for? A eunuch. By, by God's creation. I'm not going to tell you the word I kept thinking of. You can ask me later. I'll fill in the blanks later, all right? Exact opposite, all right? Let's put it that way. Now, there are some that, that God has created that way, and Paul referred to that. He said, look, I, I don't really have that desire, and I would that some could remain as I, so that you could serve God with all of your heart and do it without distraction. But he said, it's better for those of you that have that desire, which is the majority of mankind, to, to marry than to burn. And, and there is a, a hole that can only be filled by that wife that God has created for you. Hey, young people, listen to me. There is a lady out there, ladies, there is a man out there that is God's will for your life. And the last thing in the world that you need to do is be giving your heart to every single person that comes along. And by the way, let me just say this. It is a man and a woman, not a man and a man, and not a woman and a woman. That is an abomination to God. It doesn't matter what the world says. It is still a sin. It is still wrong. And it should not be embraced. Amen. The foundations are being eroded because we are letting the world redefine what some of these things mean. But listen, there will be a hole in your life, guys, if you don't make a place for your wife that only she can fulfill. And, and young people, listen to me. Keep your mind and keep your heart and keep your body pure until marriage because there is somebody that God has created to fulfill you as a person. But if you go out and spoil your purity with somebody that is not intended to be your husband or wife out of lust, you give a major part of your heart away and as you do that with person from person to person, it gets to the point where you don't really have any desire for anybody to fill that void in your life anymore because really you have become a very selfish living and personal self-loving person who desires only to fulfill your own desires instead of being that fulfillment for somebody else the way God designed. One of the reasons why people are getting married later and later and later in life is because there are so many young people that are giving their time to lasciviousness and wickedness and they lose the desire for real pure marriage between one man and one woman saved for each other because they've experimented so much they don't even have the desire for one man or one woman anymore. They've warped themselves. And this is one of the reasons why you've got to guard against pornography and all of these other things. Amen. Because that will open the door to wanting to fulfill that strong lust that you have created. Marriage was intended for one man and one woman. Amen. That's the way God intended it. 
And God created Eve specifically for Adam. And I believe that he was so impressed that when he saw her, the reason why her name is woman is because he said, Whoa, man. Technically means womb of the, of the man. She was taken out of the side of the man, out of his... All right, anyway. <laughs> and by the way, can I just say this? The marriage relationship is wonderful. And it is God-ordained. And it's, it's intended to be that cherry on top of all of your desires. I'm trying to be very careful, parents. I'm trying to be very careful. But... By warping your idea of what marriage is supposed to be and turning it into nothing but lust, instead of it being a relationship where you fulfill each other's lives more than just fulfill each other's lusts, the world has turned the marriage relationship into a fulfillment of lust, not a fulfillment of life. Are you with me? And when you allow your lusts to go deeper and deeper and deeper down that hole, I think I said this on last Wednesday night, but let me, let me say it again. Lust demands, but it never satisfies. And so the deeper into lust you get, the less satisfied you are. And you always want and need more. And so what, what started as one look turns into another, and that doesn't satisfy, and it turns into another, and that doesn't satisfy. And this leads into deeper and deeper holes of perversion. Because eventually what used to satisfy doesn't satisfy anymore. And now you have to experiment with something else new. I'm trying to be very careful, I'm going to move on from there. Now then, one man and one woman. One man and one woman. I don't care what your favorite Hollywood star says. Well, some people are just born with different desires. Wrong. Wrong. Kids are not born that way. They are warped that way. And they're being warped that way by their teachers. They're being warped that way by the things that they're being exposed to through Hollywood. But that is not the way you were created. You were not created with a natural desire for a girl if you're a girl. You were not created with a natural desire for a boy if you're a boy. It's a sinful desire. It's not a natural desire. And it is a sin just like drunkenness is. It is a sin just like lust is. It is a sin just like lying is. And it ought to be repented of just like all those things are. You say, well, I have those desires. So where did that come from? From your sin. From your lust. And listen, there are some who I guess because of the warping of this world struggle with that stuff. I never have. I've never looked at another dude and thought anything other than, man, he's ugly. <laughs> you know what? I'm lying. I'm lying. How much do I say? <laughs> um... I mean, there might have been one or two guys in Hollywood that I went, man, I mean, like, I'm not attracted to him, but that is a, how do they even get that good looking, you know? Like, it's not even right, you know? But God did not create the marriage relationship as a man and a man and a woman and a woman, and it's not natural and it's not normal. I've never struggled with that. I've never had any desire for that. Not even close. Amen. But 
If you do, doesn't mean it's natural. It means it's a sin. There are some people who struggle with their desire for alcohol. I never have. I've never had alcohol. It's never touched my lips. Don't want to. I've never smoked a cigarette. Don't want to. I've never had any drugs. Don't want to. I've never struggled with that desire. But for some people, it's a constant battle. And that's a sin. Just like having a desire for another man if you're a man, another woman if you're a woman. And it ought to be repented of. But I have other things that I struggle with, that I'm tempted with, just like you do. And those are sins that ought to be repented of. And we cannot excuse them as if we are to say, well, because I have the desire to listen to rock and roll music, I ought to listen to rock and roll music. Well, because I have the desire to listen to, I don't know, Clint Black, is he even around anymore? Then I ought to listen to him. Because I've got a desire to listen to Garth Brooks, I ought to listen to him. Just, just because you have a desire doesn't make it right. But that's the way the world is selling this sin of sodomy. Well, they have the desire to, so that makes it right. Wrong. Just because you have the desire to do something doesn't make it right. Amen. Well, I don't have that desire, and, and, but I hear, or I hear that, that other people don't have that desire, but I do, so it must be me. It's just me. That's the way God made me. No, 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 no. God did not create man with sin. That was not His intention. And it is a sin. Now then, a sin to be repented of. And we have young people that are being warped into thinking that, whoa, it's five till? We have young people that are being warped into thinking. We have adults that are being warped into thinking by the world that it's okay. And let me tell you how they're doing this partially. And I'm glad to hear that our school systems around here, for the most part, are staying pretty clean. I mean, they still spank in some of our schools? Unbelievable. Are you kidding me? You did, if you did that in Indiana, they'd sue the pants off of you. You know, look, the, the, or beat the pants off of you. You know, I don't know. Uh, but, uh, you know, and I'm glad that some of that is still, you know, we're still kind of old school around here. <laughs> Pun not intended. Um, but, um, but you know what they're doing? They're, they're, you know, they're creating these kids' books and they're putting these things in front of their eyes by the time they're six, seven, eight years old and teaching them wicked and warped and sinful things and then saying, but we've got to equip them to be what they've been made to be. Wrong. What they're doing is warping them to sin. Warping them to sin. Hey, look at this preacher. If a school teacher brought a joint into school and offered it to all of the kids and made them smoke it just to find out if they had a desire for it, we would lose our minds. But we, we let them do it with sodomy. And then we as Christians are falling in the trap of accepting what they're saying. Doesn't even make sense. I did not for any reason think, you know, hey, it's Pride Month. We need to hit on this, some of this stuff. But I'm, I'm glad the Lord has led me to hit on some of this stuff during Pride Month. Wickedness. And the hand of God is going to be quickly removed from our nation the more wicked we become in this kind of junk. 
name an entire month after a wicked, wicked, abominable sin that God destroyed nations over. It's still a sin. doesn't matter what Joe Biden says. Or, by the way, what Donald Trump says. Because he supports the gays too. Just in case you were thinking America's hope rested in its politicians. Every time Trump would say it, I'd get sick. Now, he did a lot of good things for our churches, but he also did a lot to progress the LGBTQIA plus cause. Yeah, I finally got their dumb terms down. They're adding a new letter all the time because they're finding a new perversion to decide that they need to be protected over. It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him and help me for him. God's intention for that help me was to be the woman. In a lot of different ways. And, and, and I just want to say this. Young people, listen. The marriage relationship and the physical side of it. The kissing and the hugging and all that stuff that you thought was gross when you were a kid. God designed it. It's a good thing. It's a wonderful thing. But it becomes a despised thing when your mind becomes warped and perverted by pornography and other things in this world. And what it does is it turns the man into an object and the woman into an object instead of a human being. And listen to this preacher. When you turn another human being into nothing but an object to look at or to be pleasured by, they're no different from an animal. And you'll treat them like an animal. And that's what we're seeing. You want to know one of the reasons why I think we're having so many mass shootings? One of them, I think, is because of mental illness and medications. Amen. One of the others is because we have so devalued human beings by, first of all, removing from our school systems the teaching of creation where every human being has value because they were created by God specifically with a purpose. That gives you value. But when you turn us into an animal that evolved from other animals, our kids act like animals, and they don't see another human being as being any more valuable than that chicken or than that deer in the field or than anything else that we slaughter. We've warped their understanding of the value of human life. And you want to know what, one of the other reasons why I think we have so many mass shootings? It's because of the perversion of the mind. Listen to this preacher. When a man or a woman takes off their clothes on a screen and becomes nothing more than an object to look at, and you burn in your lust towards them, they no longer retain their human qualities. They become an object just like anything else that you can pick up or hold or treat like an object. They're no longer a human being. They are an object. And the more you do that, the more they lose their value. And the more they lose their value, the less you care about them so you can mow them down because they're nothing but an object. I'm telling you that's where a lot of these young people's minds are. 
they have no personal value and they think that people are just animals that have evolved. And they've been warped by what they see on their screens all the time and the value of human life has been removed because humans are just objects, not people. And you risk a lot when you objectify another human being. You lose your ability to care for them like a human. And what some people have done is they've ruined their marriage relationship or they've ruined their ability to have a healthy marriage relationship before they ever got to it as a young person because they have over-objectified human beings by staring at them on screens. And then when you enter into a married relationship with somebody who deserves to be treated and loved like a human being, you have to deal with all the scars of people being viewed as objects in your mind and that person will only be an object to you and you'll treat them like one. So you'll speak harshly to them. You'll treat them like they don't matter. And if you're not receiving pleasure from them, you're not appreciating them. And this is the man and woman both. There was a day when only men struggled with this kind of lust, it seemed, but now the women are into it as well. Husbands and wives, remember, you've been created for each other. Keep yourselves pure for each other. Young people, remember, if you have desires of that nature, it ought to be repented of just like any other sin. It's, it's not okay to excuse it because you have it and others don't. That God made you that way. No. It's a sinful desire that ought to be repented of. And He can help you with that. He can help you with that. But you have to label it as what it is. A sin. A sin. That must be repented of. And just like drugs or alcohol, the desire can eventually fade away. but probably over time. Uh, is everybody okay? Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would take these simple truths and help us this evening by them. I pray that you would do this evening what only you can do. With heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around, how many would say, Preacher, if I were to die today, I know for a fact, no question in my mind, I know for a fact that I am on my way to heaven. Would you slip your hand in the air in testimony of that fact? Wonderful. You can put your hands down. Is there anybody at all that would say, Preacher, if I were to die today, I do not know if I'd go to heaven, but I sure would like to know. <laughs> would you please pray for me? 